0: episode of Life Chat with Vivian Bill. This week we're still talking about finances and yes we have an amazing guest Lisa Baker who will be going more in depth but first she will introduce herself and tell us all about her and what she does. Lisa?
1: Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. I am um, really pleased to be here talking about a Topic that's near and dear to my heart finances. Um, I am a retired person. I worked in the financial services industry for over 25 years. And I think it's significant to say that I'm 54 years old, just to indicate that I have retired much earlier than what most people would think of as retirement age. Mm-hmm. Um, I have um, started my own coaching practice, where I teach people specifically in the area of finances, how to grow their finances. And grow is get out of debt, retain more income, organize your assets, and walk in wealth. Thank you.
2: That sounds so good. I'm glad you clarified your age, because when you said um, you were retired, I'm like, she looks like she's in high school. So, <laughs> as, um, just to our uh, audience, when, as you look at her, um, she doesn't even look her stated age, but that's to be debated. Thank our you. Is, you need to um, see the license, right, Velma? <laughs> yes, yes. No, I need to see a birth certificate. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: I appreciate that. And in fact, most people um, will tell me that I look younger than I am, but this June, if the Lord allows me to see June 13th, I will in fact be 55 years old. And and again, I tell people that only because of the fact that I did retire from corporate America, I was a senior executive in corporate America. I was the senior vice president and general manager for eBay um, credit program within Synchrony. And the importance of my age is just that to communicate to people that retirement is not an age. We often say, oh, I'm gonna retire at 65 or I'm gonna retire at 70 or 68, whatever that number may be. But it's not an age, it really is a financial number.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: When you have enough invested, saved, that you can pay yourself what you wanna earn, from whenever you retire until the time when you leave this earth, you can retire. So it's about reaching the financial number that allows you to provide for yourself. Okay,
2: very good. And you, you, you said that before I could ask you that question, but I am, um, you know, I just want our audience to realize and recognize how qualified um, our guest is with what she is about to share with us. So you're hearing it from somebody who has experience, many years of experience. And when she gives us some advice, the only time these things will work for us is if we put them in action. So my first question to you, Miss Lisa, how did you get into coming up with wanting to
1: do this? Yeah, this has been a passion of mine for a long time, and it really started um, early, I would say early even in childhood. My um, parents would, you know, one of the things that they instilled, and they were not wealthy by any means. My mom did not work for, um, from the time I was five years old until she passed away, so my dad was the only Earner in the household, but the, the thing that they instilled into me was working hard mm-hmm. and that you cannot spend every dollar that you earn. So while they didn't have much, they did have the concept of saving some of what you earn. The other thing that my parents instilled with me is generosity mm-hmm. and the importance of giving. I can remember my dad would say to my mom, who was very generous, he would say to her, girl, you would give away your head if it wasn't attached to your shoulders. <laughs> and, you know, I laugh about that now, but what I, what my mother knew that I now fully understand is that when you give, it is given back to you. So we can't, we don't get more by just holding on to everything while it is important to save and it is absolutely important to invest, you, you also have to share. And by giving to others, you receive more so that you have more to invest and you have more to save and you have more to give. It is a reciprocal process. And so I learned that from a very early age. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is I made a lot of financial mistakes early on too. And one of the things that I pride myself on is never making the same mistake twice. And so learning from it and growing through those mistakes and adapting so that you improve and transform your financial life. Oh, that is awesome. Were your parents Jamaicans? No,
2: my parents were from, Georgia, from Atlanta, Georgia. It sounds like something that my grandmothers always tell me. <laughs> Not to spend everything you get.
1: Yes. Okay.
2: All right. That sounds good. So, um, you learn savings, thriftiness from a very young age. So, that's something that Mm -hmm. um, grew up with you. Now, what would you say to a person who had no clue, who didn't grow up, you know, spending? Where do you start? Is there an age that you start to do this? Is there a magic age where, okay,
1: I'm at this age? Well, let's start saving. Yeah, there is no magic age. The age is from the very first time you start receiving money. That's when you should start saving. Whether it's whether you're a child and you're getting an allowance or you're a little bit older, you're a teenager and maybe it's the first job that you ever have or all throughout your life from the time you start receiving money, whatever age that is, that is the time you should start saving and investing toward your future so that you have something for later. Is it too late for for like me at my age? Absolutely not. It is never too early, nor is it ever too late. The good news is this, the earlier you start, that means the more time you have for your investments to grow. So the earlier, the better, but it's never too late because I will tell you that um, I started in earnest. Now, I, I've always tried to save and tried to live below my means because I learned that lesson early on. But because I also made poor financial decisions along the way, I lost um, what I had saved. And so I had to start over again, not once, not twice, <laughs> a few times. I had to begin again. And so, from the, I would say, from 2014, when I really got serious and earnest for, you know, the final time about being a good steward over my income until 2021, I was able to save, invest, and make enough money for my investments that I could retire. So that's a very short period of time, relatively. So you can begin at any age. It is never too late.
0: What gave you the um, motivation? Because so you said that you lost not once, not twice, not three times, but this is the fourth time that you're with you're in right now. What gave you that determination and motivation to continue? Because some people would stop it too, you know, and say, "Oh, it's not working out for me." You know, what gave you that motivation to say, "I'm going to push forward. I'm going to continue"? Mm-hmm.
1: So there, there are a couple of things. I would tell you that the most important, though. Was I had a promise from God and a mandate from God. That's the most important thing. God told me in 2001, I had through a dream that I had about being debt free to become 100% debt free so that I would be free to give. Mm -hmm. And that dream, that promise from God kept driving me forward. The other thing that um, drove me forward is my, I would say it's my own determination, but even in that, it's a gift from God, right? This, This hope that I have, that things don't have to remain the way they are, that we can make a decision to change and go forward in a better way. So it doesn't matter what has happened in the past. You learn from that, adapt, Use what you've learned, use those adaptations to grow and do better in the future. And so the combination of those things pushed me forward to where I said, Listen, I know I can turn this around. I know how to save. I'm going to get help where I need it. So I, you know, pulled in others who were more savvy financially than I was at the time to help me to get to where I am today, where now I have the opportunity to coach others on growing their finances, to teach them how to find ways to save and just as important ways to increase their income so that they can move ahead faster. Wow. And
2: what better person than the one who have been there, done that and know what it is to fail, to get up, to keep moving yeah, and succeed. Wonderful, wonderful. So um, just to remind our our listening audience, as as you are hearing these, please get a pen and paper and write them down. Write these things down because you, trust me, you will not remember, you'll think you, you do, but as I am writing with my pen and paper, I want you to do the same. And one of the things that I want to highlight is determination that um, Lisa mentioned, determination. You have to make that decision and that determination that this is what you want to do. So thank you, Lisa, for um, for pointing that out to me. And um, my other question for you is, how do you determine how much you save from your income. Is there a formula or do you just um meeny mini, 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 mini,
1: <laughs> do minimal? So there there are guidelines for saving. And, and, and some of it varies with the individual because of their current financial circumstances. So what I'm gonna tell you is a general principle that we can all apply regardless of where we are in our finances. Mm-hmm. And that is this, you want to save at minimum 10% of what you earn. That's for anybody. And you want to pay yourself first. Before you pay any bills, before you pay any creditors, pay yourself. Now, for those of us like me who um, are Christian and believe in tithing, I would tell you to do it this way. 10% off the top goes to God, that's your tithes. The second 10% comes to you, that's for your savings. That means you now have 80% of your income left. And with that, you have a budget for everything else that you need. That's where you budget for your offerings. That's how you pay your rent, your mortgage, your car. That's how you save for other things that you may want to do to take that vacation that you want, or to buy, that thing that you've been wanting to buy. You budget for that within the 80% that you have left. So the principle is this. You don't save what's left after you spend. Instead, you spend what's left after you have saved. And it's that shift that moves us from being, you know, sending all of our money out the door and not keeping any of it. You have to keep some of what you make. That's my parents' principles. You can't spend everything that you earn.
0: That's good. You know, what you're saying, because a lot of people don't think about that, of saving it right after you take up the the tenth to God, like you said, to put that 10% first. And to, you know, you say pay yourself because we don't sometimes we don't think about how, of it as paying ourselves. We're thinking, oh, gosh, you know, we got to put this in savings. We don't have enough. And we always think of it as a negative standpoint versus a positive standpoint. But I like that word of paying yourself first, because that put a, a positive twist on, on, on that, you know, way of looking at it instead of saying oh you gotta put that in savings maybe i put five percent this week or maybe I put away they like put away five percent or just put ten dollars away or whatever it may be and i know you're not saying that that you know some people they don't have ten percent they can't do ten percent so what would you say to those individuals who can't do ten percent
1: see i would um say that you can do ten percent because you had money that came into your hands
0: mm-hmm.
1: right Take 10% of what came into your hands and save it, period. It's not negotiable. Pay yourself first, and if you can, make it automatic. It's that mindset shift because we say that to ourselves. I've said that, oh, I can't afford to save this week, save this month. If you earned anything, you can afford to save. The shift is that what happens is when you pay yourself first, take care of home first, that may mean that you don't have enough to do some other things. And that has to be okay because you prioritize your own well-being.
2: Great, great. I I love that because um, one of the things that I, I notice is sometimes we would tend to Spend the money off before we get it.
1: It has to
2: be a pivot where, you know, your
1: old thinking has to go through the window. Yes, we are transformed by renewing our minds. And if you're going to become wealthy, Mm -hmm. it requires first that you change your thinking. Mm -hmm. I had to change my thinking about a number of things one of the mindset shifts we have to make is from consumer to investor. A consumer is one who takes their money, they spend it on things, that have very little value to begin with, and the value of those things depreciate or become less over time. That's a consumer. An investor, however, spends their money on things that have value at the beginning, And that value appreciates or becomes more over time. So we have to shift from consuming to investing. Mm -hmm. That's one of those shifts. And paying yourself first is the mindset of an investor. I'm going to invest in myself before I make anybody else wealthy. Take care of yourself first so that you have something for the future. That's one of those shifts that we need to make. Mm -hmm. Being willing to delay gratification, meaning that you have to put some things off for later. Doesn't mean you won't ever be able to do them, but you decide what's most important to me right now. What's going to get me closer to the goal that I have for myself now? So that may mean that the vacation has to wait till next year. You may not be able to do it this year because it's more important for you to invest or it's more important for you to get out of debt first. Mm -hmm. that's another shift that we may need to make if we're going to become wealthy owning owning things that are of value as opposed to spending all our money on clothes shoes cars things that don't have any real value
0: so um with those individuals who are saying okay I'm living hand to mouth and I am um I can't even make men's um, ends meet. Where would you say those individuals should start?
1: Yeah, so that is, many people are in that situation. In fact, studies would show that up to 76% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Now that doesn't include the people who live less than paycheck to paycheck because some people don't even have enough with one paycheck to cover all of their expenses. Mm-hmm. And that's where... You know, uh, Dr. Vilma mentioned earlier, people borrowing on money that they don't even have yet. That's something we should never do. You cannot spend money until it is in your hands, until it's in your possession. So that again, another one of those shifts. But if you're amongst those individuals who are living paycheck to paycheck, or as you said, hand to mouth, there are a number of things that you can do. The first thing is budget. You must have a budget. Look at everything that you have coming in and everything that's going out so that you know your own personal financial situation. As you assess what's coming in and what's going out, most times you will find that there are things that you're spending on that you could cut out altogether. Mm -hmm. There may be some things that you're spending on that you could reduce Those costs. And so you look for ways to save so that you can keep more of what you are earning. The other thing is to look for ways to increase your income. That could mean getting a part time job. You have, you know, the Bible tells us that it's God who gives us the ability to get wealth. He has given us gifts and talents and things that we can use to get wealth. Do you sing? Do you write? What is the skill set that you have that you could use to earn extra income? There's so many ways that we can use what we already have to make more money. Mm -hmm. Are there possessions that you have that have some value to someone else that you could sell to make some extra money? Mm -hmm. Many of us have clothes in our closet that still have tags on them that we could sell or that we can't fit that are still in good condition that someone would buy. We can put them online through or on many of the apps and get rid of them today and make a few dollars. So that's where I would begin. Budgeting Mm -hmm. so that you understand what your expenses are, reducing expenses where you can, increasing income where you can so that you have more, but regardless of what your situation is, pay yourself first. And that may mean That some of your creditors will not get paid right now. And you have to be okay with that because you will get to them eventually, but you've got to start putting something aside for yourself. Right. Um, You
2: just mentioned some of your creditors may not get paid, but when you don't pay, for example, a credit card, Mm -hmm. there is the interest that carries over on it and you are penalized. So Mm -hmm. that's taking more money out. How do Mm -hmm. you deal with that? Mm
1: -hmm. When one is in that situation where we're talking about where you don't have enough, where your paycheck, your earnings are not enough to cover all of your expenses, you have to understand that there will be penalties and you, and it's as uncomfortable as that is, you have to get to the place where you're okay with that for a time period because you're gonna put a plan together to where you'll eventually get to paying them, but you've gotta put priorities, first things first. And when all else fails, I say cover your four walls. That means you have food, clothing, shelter, transportation, those are the most important things. You need a roof over your head, you need food, You know, you got to feed yourself, your family. You need your transportation because you need to get to your job so that you can earn your money. So you take care of those things first. Everything else is not important, relatively, when you have limited monies. We can repair credit later. We can pay our creditors later. We can negotiate with our creditors to try to reduce what we owe. All of that can come later, first things first. Mm-hmm. Tide, pay yourself, cover your four walls, food, clothing, shelter, transportation.
0: But you, I can tell you're very tough on that. <laughs> you're very I, tough on that, but I guess you've learned over the years. So I have- learned this from experience. I will tell
1: you, and I, I don't mind sharing I tell people because it's part of my story that at one point I had over $1.3 million in debt. Today, as I sit here, I only have one debt. That is my mortgage. Everything else has been paid off. You can do it. It takes time. We didn't get into the situation overnight, and we're not going to get out of it overnight. It will take time, and it will be uncomfortable for a season. There's no way around that. Mm-hmm. But the I want to encourage anybody who's listening to this. There is hope. You yeah. can come out of it. It doesn't have to be that way always. It begins with you making the decision, changing your mind and deciding, I am not going to live this way anymore. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Then it's putting a plan in place, getting help if you need it. As I said, I had to talk to someone and get help. And that's what I do now. I help other people to put together put together a plan based on their unique financial circumstances that will help them achieve the goals that they have set for themselves. If that goal is get out of debt, we figure out how to do that. If that goal is to be able to grow their investments so they can retire earlier or retire comfortably, we work on that. But it's a process and you have to be okay with the fact that it will take some time.
2: Absolutely. Thank you. That That's That's great. I I love it. I love it. When we think of the person who wants to invest, let's take you back a little bit. What are ways in which you can invest? Do you just put the money in the bank where you get like 0.01% or how do you invest this money Mm -hmm. so it works for you?
1: Yeah, so we want to make the distinction between savings and investments. And we need both. Mm -hmm. We need both. So I I would like to think of savings as that money that we put into our bank accounts. That is the money that we fall back on when we have an emergency. Mm -hmm. Or it's the money that we use to pay our bills. Or it's the money that we use for those things that we've been planning or saving towards. The trip that we want to take the new shoes that we want to buy, the gift that we want to give. That's what our savings is for. It's short-term or medium-term needs. Our investments are long-term. That's money for the future that we are not going to touch. We're going to put it in an investment vehicle and earn an interest rate or a rate of return on that that matches our risk tolerance. So some people are more willing to take risk. The higher risk, the higher the potential return. Mm-hmm. So you wanna have balance. You wanna have some investments that have a higher rate of return, some that are a little more stable, but investing specifically is going to be in the stock market. That is that is the area that has had the best rate of returns long-term, things like real estate, you know, owning a home or even owning rental properties, investing in things like that that appreciate and get more value over time. That's where our investments will be. And so you'll want to work with an investment banker, a financial planner that has um, the skills and the credentials to help you identify a portfolio of investments that matches your risk tolerance and the time that you have to invest.
2: Wonderful. Wonderful. I am making some notes here. And, and I, I love that. I love the um, portfolio, you know, getting somebody to do it because we don't necessarily, I would not try to manage something like that because that's not my strength. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trained in it. And a lot of times I think we neglect going out and getting the help that we need. Somebody who can show us a better way to do things. Mm -hmm. And we end up, you know, cheating
1: ourselves. That's right. I mean, listen, when we, if, if I'm sick, you know, not feeling well, I'm going to go and see a doctor. I have a primary care physician who is skilled at general medicine And she can assess a number of things. Mm -hmm. But if it's determined that my problem or the thing that's making me ill is my heart, my general physician is going to refer me to someone who specializes in the heart. She's going to send me to a cardiologist because that person has done concentrated study and has skills in all things heart related. Mm -hmm. It's no different with our finances. Mm-hmm. I, in this analogy, am more like that general practitioner, I can help you in general to design a plan that fits your broad financial needs. But when you get to the place where now you want to hone in on this specific area of where do I invest, then that's when I'm going to refer you out to an investment specialist, someone who that's all they do. And they have licensing and credentials which means they have a legal obligation to handle your money in a certain way, we're going to refer you to that specialist. So it's no different. Whatever you need help in, we get coaches for everything. You have kids that have played sports. You want them to get better. What do you do? You get them a coach. You want to get better physically. You may go and get a personal trainer and help you get better in that area. It's no different with financial education. We should get the help that we need if we need it. hmm so that we can learn more and do better in the area of our finances.
0: Yeah, and, and um, that brought me to my next question that I had before. Um, so, what caused you to make that transition from, I you know, you may talked about your background being an executive with eBay and so forth, but what gave you that um, drive or that passion to start helping individuals in this realm and becoming a coach? financial coach in the area. Yeah, it's
1: it's a couple things. It's it's my passion for it. I am really passionate about seeing people achieve their best selves and financial freedom is just one element of that that I've always been passionate about. The other thing is it's something that I'm good at. When remember I talked about how God gives us the, these abilities, mm-hmm. I've always had feedback whether it's from my friends People that I've worked with, et cetera, they say things to me like, you're really good with words, you know how to say things, you have such wisdom. And oh my God, I feel so much better after talking to you. And I love helping people to grow and to do better in what whether it's their career or their finances. It's just within me. And so that's that's what led me to this area, but especially for minorities and people of color, we are so far behind when it comes to financial education, when it comes to wealth, wealth flows through us to other people. We don't keep it for ourselves. And I'm so passionate about seeing, especially women, minorities, people of color, really retain their wealth, especially in the African-American community. Our buying power meaning the collective money of all the African-Americans in the United States is $1.4 trillion. That's what it was in 2020, $1.4 trillion of buying power. Wow. Our wealth, negative. Meaning if you look at our net worth, most of us have a negative net worth and that's a simple math formula. You take all your assets, subtract all your liabilities, that equals your net worth. Mm -hmm. So when we say someone's a billionaire or a millionaire, we're talking about their net worth. That means if they had to sell everything they owned today, pay off every debt that they have, what would they have left? That's your net worth. That's what's left over. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: For most African-Americans, that number is zero or a negative number, meaning you owe more than the value of the things that you own. And we have to change that because we have money. We've got $1.4 trillion worth of buying power, but we're making other people wealthy with it. Wow, wow. So I'm passionate about seeing us keep that, make ourselves wealthy, me as an individual, us as a community, Mm-hmm. That's what drives me.
2: Right. So uh, I just heard it on the news, uh, I think two days ago, that there was a 12% increase in wealth in 2020 during the pandemic.
1: Mm-hmm. So where did we fit in that 12%? Did we get any? We were not factored in that 12%. <laughs> we became less wealthy during the pandemic. and And by that, we, I mean... Those of us people of color who didn't have anything invested to begin with, we started behind the eight ball to begin with. And so what happens is when you experience what we all experienced, even worldwide in the pandemic was a lot of people lost jobs during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. right? And for most of us, our jobs is our only source of income, which Mm -hmm. is another part of the wealth gap problem. Because if you have investments, those investments create what we call passive income, meaning you're not doing anything. You're not working for it. It's just growing all by itself. Mm-hmm. For those of us who had money invested in the stock market, when the stock market was going up, so even in the midst of a pandemic, I made more money. I'm worth more now than I was before I went. we went into the pandemic as are many wealthy people are worth even more because their investments were growing during the pandemic. Even if you lose your job, those investments are still making money. But for most of us, we didn't have anything invested. The only source of our income is our job. And so if you lost your job or your job reduced your income during the pandemic, you ended up losing whatever wealth you may have had because, your savings went down. You're not making as much. You're not able to pay your bills. So your debt is growing. Mm-hmm. And so you have less work. And that's what I am determined to help change for as many people as I can, but especially for women and people of color because we are behind the eight Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, talk about those things that you've put in place to help.
1: Um, people of color. Yeah. So for the um, clients that I work with from a coaching perspective, we always start with assessing their current financial situation and understanding what their goals are. And based on that, it's developing a plan that is personalized to them that will help move them forward along this trajectory of getting out of debt, retaining more of their income, really organizing their assets, because it's also about asset protection. It's not enough to create those assets, you have to protect them and safeguard them so that you will have them into the future. And that's what that piece is about. And then really understanding wealth management principles is the last piece of that. And so that that really is the process, kind of an overview of that process, but it's customized for each person. But those key things that we all have to look at is, making sure that we are saving and putting some monies aside for our short-term, investing for long-term, and then taking care of those other expenses afterwards.
2: Wow, that's that's sound advice, if I may say so myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I'm not sure if this is a myth or if there's any truth in it that minorities, such as African-Americans tend to pay a higher interest rate on certain loans than, you know, everybody
1: else. Um, do you know if there's any truth in that? There, There is some truth in that, that we tend to pay a higher rate. And that is largely driven by two things. One, it's credit score, because any creditor, is going to look at your credit score. And your credit score is is a dynamic number. It's changing every day based on a number of factors. But really what it tells a lender is how responsible you are with handling the debt that you have if you are really good at handling the debt that you have, you're going to have a higher credit score, which says to the lender, you're less risky. Mm -hmm. So that's one factor. The second factor is assets. Do you have enough money saved and invested so that I, as a lender say, hmm, if Lisa were to get into trouble, something happens and her primary source of income isn't available, does she have something that she could fall back on which would allow her to still be able to pay me? And if you have limited or no assets and you have a a low credit score, you're going to pay a higher rate for things than someone who has more assets and a higher credit score.
2: Mm. Okay, I got you. Thanks for that explanation. That makes a whole lot of sense.
0: Yeah, you have questions.
2: questions. i I do I always have questions. don't get me started okay <laughs> so um and and as we listen to what our guest is saying. Um, you know these these are some good tips, good information. And as we when we get ready to close, we're gonna make sure that you have her information. It also will be um, displayed on the screen so you can see it and you know contact her. She's a wonderful um, person to know, and you know her expertise can only make you better. So as we um, Continue this conversation, Lisa. One of the questions that I want to ask in terms of investing, a number of stocks maybe that you like may be very expensive. Now, how do you get in the game for some of these? Um, yeah, you.
1: you yes. Yeah, you can get still get in the game even if you don't have very much to begin with because. Um, a lot of you, you can buy fractional or partial shares of some stocks. So you don't you know, have to have a full share. It is a, you can buy and sell fractional shares of some stocks. So that's one thing. The other thing is that you can build over time. So you can start investing with whatever amount you have today As your investments grow or as you have money to put toward it, you can then buy into some of those stocks that may have a higher price than you can afford today. You can get into them over time. That's why I say it's never too late to start. You can start from wherever you are. Mm -hmm. That's good.
2: Um, Looking back on what you have achieved is as a result of being disciplined. Yes. It's as a result of Forgoing some things that are pleasurable at the moment so that you can eventually get to a point
1: where you can have all things pleasurable. That's, that's so, exactly right. It, it's, it's the formula for success in anything mm-hmm. is consistency over time. Not perfection because you, you know, we're going to make some, some mistakes, maybe have some hiccups here, there, learn from them, grow, but being consistent over time, that's going to give you success. So if you consistently save, even if it's just $5 a week, if you do that consistently over time, that $5 becomes 10, 10 becomes 20, 20 becomes 30, it, and you will start to see it build, but you have to do it consistently. hmm Mm-hmm. that That's the one and and it's work. there's no way around it. It is work, but it's worth it for what you get in the long run. Mm-hmm. So yes, you discipline yourself, you may be, uh, cut back or or limit certain things today so that you have the freedom to do those
0: things later mm-hmm. and without debt mm-hmm. without good- debt. And that's what I was going to ask you next about what about those individuals who have started, which you kind of answered the question, you know, and may have hiccups along the way, and like you basically you mm-hmm. four times around. And how do you get those people? I know you had that vision from God and you knew that somehow you had to be death free in order to give. But how about those individuals that they lost it all? on the first try they lost it all on the second well, from the second to the third or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. how do you get them back being that they didn't have that vision that you had um, from god so how do you get them back mm-hmm. it, i tell you
1: anyone who has the desire to continue so you if you lose it all so to speak right you lose all you lost all your money you lost your home you know th- these things happen do, as long as you have life, there is hope. You can begin again as long as you're still alive. And if you're still alive and you have the desire to grow in your finances, in whatever, in your career, in your whatever area of your life, you can do it. And that's what I want to encourage someone. You can do it. Will it take work? Absolutely. Is it harder if you made a lot of mistakes and you're deep in debt than it would for somebody who doesn't have as much debt? Absolutely, it is harder. But what it is not is impossible. It absolutely is still possible no matter where you're starting from. No money, some money, no investments, a little bit of investment. You're young, you're middle age, you're old. Doesn't matter. You can begin from wherever you are. And that's the beauty of it. That is the beauty of it. Anyone who has life and the desire can do it.
2: I love that. I love that. So I'm going to add to your portfolio, um, encourager, our cheerleader. because, (laughs) (laughs) Because that's so encouraging to the person who is saying, I cannot do it. And we can do every, all things awesome. through Christ who gives us strength. So I really do love it. And I used to I listen to this person, Les Brown, who is a motivational speaker. Yes. And Les Brown says, you got to be hungry. Yes. <laughs> so when, when you said that, I, I remember, you know, you just have to want it because
1: if you want it, then mm-hmm. you will go after it. You will do the work to go after it. And I would encourage us to, to, to think about the words that we say. Mm-hmm. Because words are powerful. If you say, I can't, then you're in fact correct. You cannot. But if you say, I can, that's better. Mm-hmm. To say, I will, is even better. That's the best. I will do this. And you may not have all of what you need right now but to say I will do this Mm -hmm. right the fact of the matter may be that you know you're living paycheck to paycheck today but you can say I'm living paycheck to paycheck today but it will not be that way tomorrow it won't be that way always I'm going to turn this around what we say is so powerful what advice do you have for that young mother
2: Who has children and they want what they see their friends have and she is trying to save, what's your advice to her of how she can get her children to understand, you know, which I doubt they they will, (laughs) that she is
1: saving for a better tomorrow leaving a a legacy um, for our children is so important. And part of that legacy starts with educating our children and training them up in the way that they should go. Mm -hmm. And so my advice to that young mom, um, you know, being a mother myself, I, I, from very early, I taught my kids that they should live on 70% of what they make and 30% should be Um, allocated elsewhere. 10% for ties, 10% for short-term savings, and 10% for longer-term savings or investments is what I taught my children from very early. So I would encourage that mom to have those conversations at an age-appropriate level with her children to say, here's what we do. Here's why we do it. This is the benefit that will come from it so that Because our kids are observing what we do and they're picking up so much information from the environment around them and and really showing their kids many of the things that we see on TV and movies, what we see with the stars and all that, it's not real. It's not real. Those things we see in in the music videos, as an example, a lot of that stuff is rented or it's borrowed and it goes back at the end of the shoot educating our kids so that they have the truth Mm -hmm. will make all the difference in the world, I think. So I would encourage that mom stay the course, right, of doing those things that she knows and believes to be right and best for her family, educating her children and giving them that legacy from the beginning of sound money management, but not only how to manage money, to teach them how to make money Mm
2: -hmm. and to
1: think beyond just a job but thinking about the skills that they have and how they can use that to be entrepreneurs and to have multiple streams of income, that's
0: invaluable. Yeah. And it is. And it's funny because their mindset also change. And as, as adults, if we have that mindset, a matter of fact, um, I grew up with my father owning his own business and my grandfather. So I had a friend came to me and I was talking to her about an investment. And she said, I've always known you always like talking about business. Why? And I remember I was reading another article and it was saying how why it's Caucasian, their kids think differently from minorities, especially the ones who have businesses, because yes. they always thinking about owning their own versus becoming an employer, mm-hmm. uh, employee versus being, you know, an employer. And that's mm-hmm. their mindset. So we need to start, like you just said, start changing our mindset. And help to empower children to own, to be influencers instead of being influenced and not being a part of that one point, what three billion
1: trillion dollars that's yes. just going yeah. out. Yeah, that's that is that is spot on, and and noticing because we as moms, right. We, we, we see our kids, we know them better than, you know, almost they know themselves, right? And we see what things they're good at and right. what their strengths are and encouraging them in those areas of their strength and their giftedness mm-hmm. um, so that they, they have, one, a positive view of themselves and they know how they can take those strengths and talents that God has uniquely gifted them mm-hmm. to create
2: money. Good um I, I I like that and um, I like from what you said when it comes to the buying power that we have it's amazing I didn't realize that and to know that we have um, our network is zero to negative mm-hmm. you know so and I and I think I've heard you said it before instead of making the person rich are going to support them, we invest in their company. So we get in a piece
1: of the pie. That, that is exactly right. So rather than, um, you know, spending money on an item, you know, if there's companies that we love, buy stock in those companies that we love so that we are partial owners in those companies, as opposed to just being a consumer of their, um, Of their products, that is that is so key, and that's that's what I mean by we're we're making other people wealthy. We're we're not creating wealth for ourselves, or keeping it in the in keeping it or keeping it yes in in the black community even. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll have to double check the 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 facts, but I believe, for example, within the Jewish community, the Jewish. In, within the Jewish community, a dollar circulates within that community about 12 times before it leaves the Jewish community. So mm-hmm. meaning they're, they're buying with other businesses, working with others who are of the, the same faith, right? As opposed to in the black community, it, it doesn't even circulate a whole time before it goes out to someone else. And that's, again, one of those mindset shifts that we have to make is buying black, keeping the money within our community, so that we're making each other wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of just consuming, buying the stock of those those um, organizations that we are patronizing, and not spending money with organizations who don't support our causes, who you know aren't. Um, good to people of color for lack of a better way of of saying it. Um, We've got we've got to make those those shifts in our thinking if we're going to create wealth. Wonderful. So as we get ready to wrap up
2: Vivian, um, do you have any last minute questions before um, Lisa have the final word to our audience?
0: No, well, I was going to ask her what she would she say, but you know, you kind of ask that question. But um, we really you can ask again. <laughs> <laughs> I can <laughs> answer again. <laughs> you know, um, you know. Well, basically, you know, I do appreciate you coming on and and giving those information. That was really good information. That some of the things that you forget or you didn't think about, and you've given our audience. A lot of things to think about and definitely should have you back on you know because we have to come up with an idea of how we can change the mindset and what do you say basically and that made me want to ask another question is what do you say to those individuals that keep on saying I can't I, I know you say well change it Nope, you you will is a better word but how do you get them from where they are with the I can't 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 because I'm also a life coach myself so you know, I'm probably already know, I know the answer, but I'm just want to hear you from the financial standpoint, because your niche is definitely what I am. Um, how do you get them from I can, can, can to I will, 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 and I'm going to do this with confidence? Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's where having um, a coach really helps, That That's one of the things that as coaches we do is really to help individuals have um, or, or even form a healthy and better vision for their lives Mm -hmm. and to encourage them um, to dream bigger, think bigger, expect more. Mm -hmm. And if you're in that mode where because of life circumstances, you're feeling pressured and weighed down and you can't see your way out at the moment. I've been in that space, so I understand that find someone to help you that may be a friend it may be a family member you may need you know professional help but but get the help that you need if you recognize that you're in that mode and you're not able to encourage yourself get someone who will come alongside and help encourage you until you can believe it for yourself that's what I'm say. and how can they get
0: in touch with you
1: to get in touch with me is really easy, but the best way is to email me. My email is L Baker, so that's L-B-A-K-E-R, at Ascentum.com. And Ascentum is spelled A-S-C-E-N-T-I-M. So lbaker at Ascentum.com is the best way to reach me. And for anyone who is listening to this podcast, and would like to have the support of a financial coach I'm offering, if you just, if you email me at ascentum.com and indicate that you heard this podcast, then I will send you a link where you can schedule a complimentary 30 minute consultation with me. And we can talk about your financial situation and see if coaching is the right fit for you or to just get, I can give you some general guidelines um, because I said, I'm really passionate about seeing people move from financial bondage to financial freedom and from financial freedom to financial wholeness. Wow. That is good. So you've heard it.
2: You've heard it. It's going to be complimentary. Just mention Life Chat with Viv and Bill. And guess what? You are in Okay. So thank you, Lisa, very much. And for just a reminder to our audience that you can hear us on the Stitcher podcast. You can hear us on Vital GH Radio. You can visit us on our YouTube channel, Facebook, we are on Spotify, Google Podcasts. We are all over. So I want you to listen, whatever medium you use, email our guests, and you will get a complimentary assessment and coach coaching, right, Lisa?
0: That's right. All right. Thank you. Well, thanks again, Lisa. You're and welcome. Everyone. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And with everyone, thank you for listening. This is another episode of Love Chat with me. Goodbye.